For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Bill Lasky, who does pre- and post-game for the San Francisco Giants all season long on Saturday and Sunday on KNBR 104.5 and 680 about how the Giants have become the bad boys of baseball. They've been off to a hot start to start 2022. However, they've rankled some feathers across the league, maybe even across the American League. We can talk about all that with Bill Lasky, who joins me next. Today is Monday. May 2nd. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Bill Lasky. You hear him on Giants postgame all year long on the weekends on KNBR. And, of course, a former pitcher for the San Francisco Giants. Bill, what's going on, man? It's great to have you on again talking some Giants baseball. Always great talking to you, Adam. Of course, we bring you in on some of the pregame shows on Talking Baseball with Marty, Carey, and I. And it's always great catching up with you. And you're doing a great job with Tom Tolbert. I want to throw that out there immediately. Oh, I appreciate that, Bill. It's been a lot of fun, man. I get my uh, I get my nights back. I went to a Giants game last week, one of the Giants A's games, and I stayed till the end. How about that? Wow, that's <laughs> something new. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't done that in a number of years, man. You know, it's funny. So I was sitting at that game. It was actually the one nothing game, which was, uh, you know, not a, not a great game for the Giants. They were due for a loss at some point. It felt like after that road trip, they had a, a great opening game against the A's, and they lost that one one nothing. How crazy was that? Chad Pinder, second pitch of the game, hits a home run, and then nobody scores for the rest of the game. It was the 28th time in Major League Baseball that that's happened. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it really is. And, and you know, I, I followed that game. I did the late-night post game for uh, KMBR in that show. And, you know, when you're analyzing a game like that, you figure, you know, the first guy up, 2-2 changeup, Sammy Long throws, it's a home run. You're like, okay, all right, we got one. On, they got one on the board. We should be able to come back. But it was all the double plays they hit into in the first three innings that really kept the momentum on the A side. And sure enough, the one home run, and their pitching staff threw well. Blackburn really threw a good game for him. And then their bullpen surprised me a little bit. But I just think the Giants were extremely tired. Uh, traveling on that long road trip, 11 games, then going to Milwaukee. The flight from Milwaukee back to San Francisco was a long one. The energy for that first game was there, of course, your home. But like I said in that post-game show, Adam, the second day when you're home, the legs are heavy, the shoulders are kind of slouched, and you just they just didn't have any energy that game. And, and I, that's the kind of what I just kind of wrapped up on that one nothing loss. What did you learn from the Giants on that road trip? I mean, 8-3 and three on the roadie. It was a four-city, 11-game road trip. Just kind of insane when you look at the schedule that way. And obviously that Brewers game was a makeup from the, uh, the early part of the season that's now been sort of dispersed throughout the season. They're going to play a couple doubleheaders with the Padres later this year as well. And make up uh, the rest of those games with uh, Milwaukee when they go back there. But what did you learn about the, the Giants in that road trip? Because they're a resilient team. I know the offense maybe isn't exactly where everybody wants it to be, but the pitching is insane, man. I know that's something you're paying attention to. You know, one of the things, Adam, I grew up in Ohio, so the weather to me in the spring was always like that. Right. You know, 30s and 40s, the, the ground is hard as a rock. But when you come from the West Coast, and when you think about it, they came from Arizona to the West Coast, and their first road trip, they're going into Cleveland, it's 35 degrees, and anytime you hear wind chill, the breeze makes it into 28, 26 degrees, and that's bitter cold. And we saw so many guys huddled up, and you saw Jock Peterson with the football beanie thing on his belly trying to keep his <laughs> hand warm. That was the hardest thing that players and pitchers have to do, to try to stay warm, try to stay loose, and it's so difficult 
difficult. And as fans out here in the West Coast, you don't understand that trying to come into a winter-cold atmosphere and play baseball and try to do the things that you can do. And sweeping Cleveland just amazed me. It really did. The Guardians were playing really well. They were averaging over seven runs a game. And you're right. I did watch the pitching, and the pitching was phenomenal. And the bullpen has just been lights out. I mean, number one in Major League Baseball. And from that going into a rainout in New York, I thought that rainout kind of kept the momentum going. It stopped it for a little bit. Then the double hitter came, two losses, and then they got one out of the two. But coming into Washington where the warmer weather was, the swings were better, you know, the pitchers were better, they were loose. You could see a little more confidence in the dugout coming up for at-bats. That's the three-game series I was loving because the last game scoring 12 runs, that just showed me that their confidence level level in the offense was starting to get going. And as you said, they go into Milwaukee against Corbin Burns. Man, he carved them up until they got to the bullpen. And then our old uh, reliable Trevor got, as they said back (laughs) then, (laughs) he he got on the mound and the Giants started from him and ended up really, uh, you know, taking uh, Cousins out with a home run by Gonzalez, and I was happy. I I thought they stole that game in Milwaukee. Oh, absolutely. They had that happen last year against Corbin Burns, and uh, they had a tough game against Woodruff last year in Milwaukee as well. I think they won a game 2-1, to same sort of thing, like a a late-night Lamont performance in that game last year. We've seen this from the Giants. They're resilient, and they they squeeze out at bats. Uh, You and I have talked for a couple of years now, going back to 2020 with Gabe Kapler, taking over the Giants, uh, about the modern game of baseball. I want to ask you about the philosophy we've seen them run with this year, which is score as many runs as you can regardless of the situation. Now, baseball, there's no clock. So much talk about unwritten rules. You played in an era where the unwritten rules were part of the game. You don't do certain things in certain situations. Some of that has gone away. There's obviously sort of a, a changing of the guard in baseball right now, and Gabe Kapler, I don't think, has a problem with being the bad boys of baseball. I don't know if this comes back to bite the Giants at some point, but what do you make of some of this... I don't want to call it running up the score, but dropping down bunts with big leads, stealing bases with big leads. Is there a, a, I think there's a line for everybody. Is it six runs? Is it eight runs? Is it the seventh inning? Is it the eighth inning? If they've pulled their pitcher and they're going with the position player, does it change how you manage the game? What was your thought on how the unwritten rules have played a role in the Giants season to this point? I think we have to adapt to what he's trying to do. And as you said, I played in the old school. You, you drop a bunt down, you know, with a no-hitter, and that's against the rules. You have a, a, a runner cross your mound, you know, and you my mound, and they cross the rubber, and that's, and that's an unwritten rule. There are so many things that were taught to you coming up through the minor leagues, even college baseball. Don't run up to score. Sportsmanship on the other side. Don't do that because the baseball gods will haunt you. They'll come back in you in karma. And those are the things that I would grew up on. Those are the things that I learned again. And it just proceeded even after me into the 90s, and now the game has changed. So if this is what, as analysts, as you and I both look at these games and how we're trying to analyze them, this is something that we have to now open our ears and open our eyes and say, this is the way the Giants are going to play. So if that's how you're going to play, so we have to watch out now. I still believe you're going to have a couple bench brawls if this thing continues. It's just the way the baseball is. And then you start looking on the other side of the managers. You start looking at all the older managers. Bob Melvin, Dave Martinez. You know, you can go up and down. There's probably eight or ten of them that played in the era of baseball. Buck Showalter, who was managing back in the day. 
I want to see how they're going to do this. How are they going to change? Are they going to change to this? Or are they going to keep their mindset at the old school unwritten rules? And I go back to this because I was part of that. If a guy hit a home run and he bat flipped, you drill the next guy. Bob Gibson, we always go back to the even older days. And, and Dusty Baker used to say, you know, they used to say, don't look at him. Don't dig in the box. <laughs> don't go, you know, don't go too close to the plate. And, and if you hit a home run, put your head down going around the bases. Those are things they taught us, you know, and those are the things that, that were bred in us. Now, you know, as we talk to nowadays, Richard really is Sean Estes, all the guys that are doing baseball analytics, this is what we were taught. So that's why we have to open our eyes, as I said, and understand what they're trying to do because the game is changing. The game has evolved. And I remember hearing Johnny Gomes a couple of years ago when bat flips were becoming more of a topic. And I think it's kind of gone away. I think bat flips are kind of, I don't want to say accepted now, but I don't think there's as much damnation on the bat flips as there was maybe 10 or 15 years ago. Johnny Gomes, a local guy here from the Bay Area, played for the A's, played for the Red Sox for a number of years, uh, was a good ball player, good outfielder, kind of a slugger type. He said, you work your whole life to get to the major leagues. You try and you grind through the minors. You grind through college baseball. You grind through junior college ball, little league, travel all this stuff, you finally get to the bigs and you hit a home run and they say, well, when you hit a home run, you better run fast and put your head down <laughs> unless you've hit a bunch of them. If you hit a bunch, if you're like Barry Bonds and you hit 762, then you can stop and admire him. But he's going, I worked my whole life for this, man. I'll hit a, a nice home run. I want to watch that thing fly. And it's true on that side. There's no doubt about it. And you know what? That's the, the mentality of a hitter. And now if you look at the mentality of a pitcher, if you do that, and I put one in your rear or in your ribs the next time up, and you showed me up, then that's telling me you need to chill out, you know, because you've now embarrassed me as a pitcher by doing that. Now, going back to Bob Melvin, I don't see any bat flips coming from the Padres this year. I don't see the necklace with the big spinning of San Diego on anymore. We'll see if Tatis comes back and if he starts bat flipping. I haven't seen too much emotion coming out of the Padres. They're playing pretty good baseball. Did he cut all that out? We don't know. But that team does gel. We've seen a lot of uh, clubhouse antics on, on Twitter and things. And you know he lets it inside, let him have a good time. But I think Bob Melvin, what he's doing is saying, we're going to be a little more classier. And I think that's what he's doing in cleaning that uh, clubhouse up, as well as the Padres. But going back what you're saying, bat flips are part of the game. I just wish that college and high school kids would chill out a little bit. The bat flips and what they're doing, and we see all this on Twitter, I just think somebody's going to get hurt. I really do. Yeah, it's it's a good point. It's uh, at the lower levels. Sometimes you got to uh, you got to pay your dues, right? You got to grind through that stuff, and then when you get to the major leagues, then it's it's a show. It's for money. You're putting on a performance for people. So I'm with you. And I've also to what you were saying about you know if you want to flip the bat, and then you catch one in the rear, you catch one in the ribs, or something like that. And you never you never headhunt or anything. But I've always felt like that was the best way for baseball to police itself. You can do what you want, but part of you doing what you want is me doing what I want. There's cause and effect, and that's what I've always loved about the game. Oh, 100% right. And you know what? It was, you never had hunted, never threw at a guy's head, never would, never will. And I just think that's wrong. I think some of the things that are being done now with the baseball, I think the balls, there's not enough grip on them and the ball's sailing. They're trying to get the ball up and in and just sails in. 
you know, you talk about the Mets getting hit 19 times. Some of those, with, if you watch the ball, they're tailing in. It's not a straight fastball right at them. Uh, a couple loose curveballs or breaking balls have hit them. So you got to look at what you're getting hit with and if it's intention or not. And I tell you what, sometimes it is, but I really think Major League Baseball – Owning Rawlings baseballs, they need to fix this, and they need to fix it fast. Yeah, there were some comments from Mets pitcher Chris Bassett last week saying, you know, I've hit a, a number of guys this year. We've had a number of guys hit, and it's it's. he was saying it's not totally my fault because a few times it's happened with sliders and change-ups, and clearly you're not drilling a guy with a pitch like that. Uh, before we let you go, Bill, uh, give me give me a time where maybe somebody hit one off of you, showed you up, and, uh, and what the repercussions were. What were the ramifications of, of showing up a Bill Lasky hitting a home run? <laughs> well, well, you know, I didn't really give up a lot of home runs, but when I did, you know, I, I just go back to Ron Say. Ron Say used to pimp home runs all the time. And uh, I'd always hit the next guy. And there was times where I did that. Another one, you know, when you start thinking back of the day when guys would play, I always listened to guys chirp. They used to chirp in the on-deck circle. Yeah. And they would chirp, oh, give me that pitch, you know. Hey, why don't you give me that one next time up? And I used to, you know, I used to turn around and go, who's saying that? You know, who's chirping like that? Yeah. And it would be the on-deck hitter. And there was times where, you know, I drilled them. I didn't care. I mean, I, I drilled a few, a few and more hitters than you expected, but I did. And there was times, the best one ever was uh, when we were in spring training, Ricky Henderson was up. And Ricky had that flash, you know, with the gloves, the hands. He'd always pimp the home runs. Mm-hmm. And this is spring training, spring training. And I was a young kid, and Daryl Evans said, if he swings hard, I want you to drill him. And I go, man, that's, it's like the leadoff hitter. It's Ricky, and he goes, I don't care. I want you to drill him. He won't come out at you. He will not come out. I guarantee he won't come out. Sure enough, I throw a slider, and he comes out of his white spikes, and he swung as hard as he could. And I looked at Daryl, he goes, drill him. Throw him. <laughs> sure enough, boom, I hit him right in that big old thigh of his, and he put the bat down, ran to first base, and I looked over to him, and he goes, I told you he wasn't going to come out. <laughs> you know, but, you know, you start remembering when the veteran players said that stuff to you. Right. Joe Morgan was another one. Throw inside, throw inside. You always hear that little introduction. If you can't pitch inside, you can't pitch in the big leagues. And that's really where the mentality came with the veteran players. Do not let those guys take that inner part of the plate away from you. Throw that ball inside. Frank Robbins was another one. Pitch inside. Pitch inside. you got to establish both sides of the plate. Back then, it was fine. You, you taught a hitter, don't show me up. I won't show you up. Today's game, you can't do that anymore. You know, you're going to get fined. You're going to be suspended. But they do need to clean up a little bit on the antics. I really do. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with you a little bit there. Uh, as far as Ricky Henderson goes, when you drilled him, you put him on first base to lead off the game. You might swipe second. <laughs> <laughs> well, spring training, most likely he was back in the dugout yeah. after the inning. You know, I'm done. I'm done. I, I got a little bruise from Lasky. It's nothing that's going to hurt him. <laughs> <laughs> Good deal, Bill. Uh, always appreciate the time, man. It's always fun just kicking it around and, uh, and shooting the Bull talking baseball, man. I always enjoy it. Thanks so much, Bill. Copes, anytime, my friend. And you keep going, man. You and Tolbert keep killing it. Uh, great stuff from Bill Lasky. Pitched in a different era, but you can change. Look at look at Bill Lasky, a guy who pitched in the 80s, uh, saying, yeah, man, uh, the game has evolved, so we've got to get a little bit more used to some of these unwritten rules being broken. Thank you to Bill Lasky. Thank you to Brian Smith, my producer. And thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. The NFL draft is over. The Warriors are into the second round. That's all stuff we can talk about as the days and weeks climb forward into 2022. Until Wednesday, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you then.